the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You, your money. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. Howdy, howdy, howdy. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. It's Friday. Very, very happy that it's Friday. In about 20 minutes, I'm going to be speaking with John Ziegler, creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. That's right. We're going to be talking about Sarah Palin. To be interesting, to say the least. It's been about a year since you first heard her name. It was August 24th when she got the phone call uh, from John McCain. Uh, I'm interested in you as a vice president. One year ago, right? About five days later, our world's changed forever and ever endeavor in large part uh we'll deal with palin jokes for many 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 years let's talk about what's really important and what's really important is to me the stock market first hour of the show i talk stock market economy take your phone calls 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 second hour i go into a little bit more you know stretch your legs kind of issues on financials you know maybe kids in college maybe you know professional athletes and how they lose all their money Maybe what's the safest and best car to drive? Second hour, a little bit goofier than the first hour, and Friday's always goofy. Let's start the show, though, with a phone call to show you what they're actually like. Shoshana or yes, Shoshana? hello. Hey. I don't know which to begin with. Where, what's the name Shoshana? Where does that come from? The Gates Kashef. How are you in Jewish? Okay. Uh, I don't know whether to talk about when you had 6000 to 4000 and uh, that or your mother's reverse mortgage that you couldn't advise her at how to get in. But let's go back to uh, your TV show when some guy's calling you about buying Bank of America at four and said, into the frying pan. And where is Bank of America now? Thank you. <laughs> She's actually got that confused. I actually like Bank of America because I actually own shares of Bank of America. The one that I think I've gotten kind of wrong is a company called AIG, where it's government-owned about 90%. And I don't recommend people chase the performance, even though it's up 300% in this month alone. Let's talk a little bit about Bank of America. And uh, one more thing she said, that which was kind of interesting, was about my mother and a reverse mortgage. My mother doesn't have a reverse mortgage, but it would make sense for my mother to have a reverse mortgage if she needed a reverse mortgage, in large part because she's got a set amount of assets and she's 75 plus years old. And one of her assets that's not doing a lot for her is her home and the equity inside of her home. So a reverse mortgage would probably make pretty good sense for her um, if she needed it. She doesn't need it yet. So there's no sense in tapping it and creating that situation going in that direction. But reverse mortgage is appropriate for some people. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Bank of America because she brought it up in AIG and what I would refer to as garbage financials. And we have to be very, very careful because there's something called a garbage rally going. Then I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to talk about the stock market from there. Sadly, Sashana didn't have the courage to stay online. Anyway, AIG chief, a guy named Robert Benoche, Benoche, 
He said that he's taken a far more patient approach than his predecessor towards selling assets to repay the government. He's willing to wait as long as three years. So something interesting has happened. AIG is a big insurance company. It's one of the poster children of what went wrong on Wall Street uh, back in the fall. And the, the leverage that the leverage, including the bad assets inside of that leverage and how it hit the financial companies. So AIG is kind of that poster child. Now, he's their fifth CEO in four years, and he had to borrow $173 billion from the United States government to keep them out of bankruptcy. A lot of us in the financial media said it's worth keeping them out of the financial media because AIG's got business relationships with every financial company in the world almost. They were that. We didn't want them to fail. So you might remember back in the fall, we were talking about things along the lines of uh, things along the lines of, you know, why is some of the government bailout money going to Bank of Nova Scotia? Because Bank of Nova Scotia was getting some of that money from AIG and basically settling up with them, so to speak, on some of the bad deals that they got involved in. Now, Robert Benmosh, he had the chance to pay dividends and he said no. The United States government was supposed to get some of those dividends, and he said no. He's allowed to do that for up to four quarters, and then he has to put two board members of the United States government on his company, two more board members. So AIG's got this super uber rally going right now, and after analyzing all of AIG's businesses, he said he's determined the company wouldn't be able to repay the government even if it sold everything. He suggested that if he can bolster business before selling off units, the situation might improve. Quote, the sum of the parts are a little bit below the hole. The hole has to be big enough to pay back the government, and with a little hard work, there will be something left called AIG. His remarks on Thursday were amongst a number that he's made to the media during his stay, uh, which has helped drive the big stocks, the big stock market rally. Now, AIG did a 20-for-1 reverse stock split. So the hands or the shares that are out there, there's very few people. They did a reverse stock split. They didn't do a stock split. A stock split creates more shares. A reverse stock split creates fewer shares. So yesterday was a crazy day of financials just having an Uber rally. And again, I'm calling them the garbage financials. Um, AIG, AMBAC, MBIA. Uh, Let me pull up a couple more for you because I thought this was a pretty good story. Fortunately, Shoshana was able to, you know, get me straight into it. Um, CIT Group, PMI Group, AMBAC. Citigroup, Huntington Bank Shares, MBIA, a company called Popular, uh, Freddie Mac, Allied Irish, Fannie Mae, Regions Financial. All these stocks have had these crazy big runs off very, very low levels. Like Regions Financial was at one point in time a $2 stock. Now it's a $6 stock. So it's had this big rally. So, But we're calling them the garbage financials on Wall Street at this point in time. The strength is not news-driven. It can be largely attributed to momentum and short covering. When Robert Binoche says he's going to take a more patient approach, suddenly the shorts get a little bit nervous. Now, remember, shorts sell the stock first. They buy the stock later. And when you do a 24-1 reverse stock split, just a little bit of buying pushes that stock up huge. So some of these names were up yesterday, 14%. Uh, CIT was up 14%. PMI Group up 7%. AMBAC up 6%. Citigroup up 4.4%. Now, Citigroup's probably the best name out of all the group, but they, too, are heavily owned by the United States government, and they, too, are going to have to pay this back. So these are called garbage rallies, and garbage rallies will happen in various distressed groups, such as auto suppliers, early-stage biotechs, and in this case, lenders who got into trouble. We're seeing another garbage rally, ultimately un in what's called the at most at-risk financials. 
Now, uh, massive short squeeze in AIG. This out-of-the-blue five-point surge in AIG yesterday at 3 o'clock wasn't the result of specific news catalysts. Instead, it was a small rally in the afternoon. started to gather steam and accelerated. It forced the pa- uh, shorts to panic and cover. Um, so what a lot of people are now starting to do is they're starting to short some of these companies again because they know that AIG has borrowed $100 billion-plus, and the whole company is worth $6 billion, even after a massive 300% rally. So what's going to happen? I can't really tell you. Um, some dumber things have happened. And there's dumb people out there like the Shoshanas of the world who remember what she wants to remember. I've always liked Bank of America. I've never told people to get out of Bank of America. I said accumulate Bank of America. I say go back to 1989, 1992, and look what happened to the financials. So we've seen this before. Now, again, there's going to be 300 total bank failures. Bank of America is not going to be one of them. Citigroup, I don't know what it's ultimately going to look like because they have so much borrowed money from the United States government. It's worthy of note. Let's go to Ray in Santa Rosa. Ray, what's your question? Hey, Rob, I got a question for you. Um, I'm interested in what your um, best pick is for online trading accounts for a small time investor, you know, 10000 or less investing from home. I say don't do it. Um, I don't think the small time investor can win consistently enough to make it a profitable venture. Um, if you really wanted to do it, there's a company called Scott Trade, which gives you a ton of free trades plus uh, $5 trades thereafter. I never, ever met uh, someone, Ray, who can sit at home and be a successful day trader. So I'd be very, very cautious of doing it. Um, some of my trades go horribly wrong. Some of my trades go horribly right. Um, but again, I do probably 80 to 90% of my four portfolio is an accumulation portfolio. Maybe 10 to 20% is an opportunity knocks. Hey, let's take advantage. Like, for instance, I think you could buy shares of Bank of America here and do very well over the next five years, but you have to be patient. Now, that's one that's a five-year situation. If, um, like Citigroup, for, okay, okay. Let's say you um, owned a company like an AMD at 20 and it goes to, to 4 or $5. I think now is the time to sell out of your AMD and swap it over to a Citigroup if you're going to give it five years. Because I don't think AMD is going to rally as much as a Citigroup is going to rally over that five-year period. I don't really recommend a lot of day trading, right? Thanks for the call. Um, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. If you really got to do it, I'd go with someone like a Scott trade. But again, I don't think most people are going to do good at it. So we got our first look of how financials are performing today. Uh, we got a little bit of what's called uh, the PCE number. And we saw personal consumption and we saw some expenditures. And personal income was flat, falling 1.1% in June. Consensus was for it to rise about one-tenth of a percent. The drop in June was due to a large jump in transfer payments in May from the American Recovery and Investment Act of 2009, where people got cash flow coming in. Private wage and salary disbursements rose about zero-tenths of one-tenth percent, one-tenth of of, uh, one percent. Increase in consumer spending almost completely tied towards the jump in motor vehicle sales for cash for clunkers. Uh, What's going to happen here is we're going to see September be a little bit of a hangover from um, June, July, and August, where we had the cash for clunkers come in and, you know, really pick up in August. But we've got a little bit of a same old, same old uh, going on in the stock market at this point in time, where we start off weak, China was weak today, and then by the end of the day, we rally. I think this market's tired. I think 1100 on the S&P 500 is the, the best case scenario. I'd like to see a little bit of a pullback. Um, stocks had big gains this morning. Then the consumer confidence number came out. Consumer sentiment improved in late August. It remained below levels reached in July. Sentiment index rose to 65 in late August from 63 in the month before. Consumer sentiment is not really something that drives purchases. 
consumer sentiment is one of those economic pieces of data that we should just ultimately totally trash and forget about because consumer sentiment's tied towards, oh, I heard the Numi plant shutting down and, oh, that's not good. People are going to lose their jobs and we feel bad for others, but yet 90% of Americans have jobs at this point in time. It's actually a lot less than that, but not a lot less than that, but percentage points less than that because some people fall off unemployment and they never go to the unemployment line. Some people lose their job and they try to get a job for months and months and months and months and they just aren't able to pull it off. Other news of note today, GMC is a 15% higher sales in 2010 versus 2009, completely tied towards cash for clunkers in their mind. Whirlpool's cutting 1,100 jobs in a plant closure. Whirlpool said they're closing a plant in Evansville, Indiana, result of an elimination of 1,100 jobs or less than 2% of its workforce. Um, they're going to ship some of the manufacturing to Mexico. Okay, that's probably not too politically cool, huh? Um, other stories, I think I got the AIG pretty, oh, Intel today raised third quarter revenue guidance to 9 billion plus or minus 200 million. That's above the 8.55 billion that they were expecting. Uh, China Unicom, they've signed a three-year agreement with Apple to sell the iPhone in China. Remember, China's got about three times as many subscribers, 600 million plus subscribers to our 270 million plus in the United States. Let's go to Albert in San Jose, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Albert? Hey, yeah, I got a question about a student loan I um, uh, had that's about 10 years old. Um, I, I took a student loan out for a vocational program uh, 10 years ago. I didn't complete the program, and now I have acquired 10 years of interest on these loans because I don't feel like I should be paying it back because I didn't complete the program. The school has since uh, closed down uh, a, a long time ago, and uh, my question is, is there, are there any programs help me uh, get this this loan off my credit. You took out a loan. You signed it, right? Yeah. And you basically gave it all to the school? Well, the, the, the loan went directly to the school. That's how it was. Uh, it was uh, applied through the school, yeah. and it all went directly to the school. I never seen a check, not one time. But what happened is that uh, about, about halfway through the uh, vocational program, I was working a swing shift job and going to work and going to school in the day. I lost a swing shift job, had to find a nine to five job, and then as I was going back to uh, uh, complete the program in an after hours program or a swing shift program, uh, the, the school closed down. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do, Albert. Um, in your case, what I would probably do is try to get an attorney first and foremost. And thanks for the call. I'd try to document everything. I would write letters to your credit bureaus showing them what happened and how you actually didn't take possession of the loan. I don't think I've seen any situations where this, the loan goes straight to the school and you're obligated to it. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I would go back to all your documentation, and if you need to, get a, get an attorney involved. It sounds like it's it's cropping up and, and showing some negativity. And Heck, I don't have paperwork from 10 years ago, so I don't expect you to either, but maybe an attorney to write off a letter and say, look, you know, here's what my client tells me is the truth. And if you can't prove otherwise, then go screw. Um, very unique, very weird scenario. Coming up in the next break, I'm going to speak with John Ziegler, the creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. Uh, he's got a website, howobamagotelected.com. If you want to pick up uh, and jump on the website, it's howobamagotelected.com. I'm Rob Black. It's the Rob Black Show. Rob 
Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. A couple weeks ago, I got a email from a PR group, and they were promoting John Ziegler, um, creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. What struck me as interesting was when I was reading through this, you know, do you want this guest press release? Um, Sarah Palin, we only got to know her name. What is today? Today is August 28th. It was August 27th when she met with McCain and formally accepted his place on his ticket, and then... Right around August 29th, McCain's selection of Palin is announced and she's introduced on the national stage. September 3rd, she accepts her party's nomination in the national convention speed. It's been a year. And this is amazing to me how fast she really became a cultural icon and she became part of our society as far as our lexicon goes. Let's bring in John Ziegler right here right now, creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. Mr. Ziegler, are you with me? I sure am. Isn't it odd? And again, I was just telling the story about how I got an email from your press group, and it struck me as it's only been a year. It feels like it's been two or three years. <laughs> well, I would submit that it's uh, it's been the most roller coaster eventful year in any life of any public figure in American history, uh, when you look at uh, exactly what has transpired. I mean, take a look at just her personal life. Just forget about the politics for a second. Forget about the vice presidential nomination. In the last year, Sarah Palin, of course, has uh, had just been given birth to a Down syndrome child. Uh, she had the uh, pregnancy of her teenage daughter become a worldwide news story, and then she had the uh, the ex fiance of that daughter become a media star, and their sex life uh, become fodder for Larry King Live and the Today Show. Uh, she had uh, her first son sent to a rock. Uh, she, uh, of course, was lied about uh, in the national news media and had her character destroyed in order to pave the way for Barack Obama's election. When she became, when she went back to being governor of Alaska, she wasn't allowed to do her job because these uh, loser bloggers who live in the basement of their parents' homes and dream about getting on Keith Overman's TV show uh, were filing ethics complaints against her that were bogus and cost her hundreds of thousands of dollars. And she had numerous members of her own party throw under the bus because they thought that it was in their self-interest to do so. I would submit that uh, any normal human being that endured all of that in one year would probably be in the fetal position in a pool of their own drool. But uh, Sarah Palin has uh, proven to be far greater than that and uh, is still still going strong and uh, impacting the health care debate with uh, postings on her Facebook page as a private citizen in Wasilla. It's really an amazing, amazing story. Mr. Ziegler, give me a, a, you've gotten to know her very well. You've spent a year with her, roughly. Give me a little background on what she's like when she's not on camera. Well, I don't want to overstate how well I know her. Um, I I'd interviewed her um, extensively from her home for my movie, my documentary film, Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected and Palin Was Targeted, which people can find out more about at www.howobamagotelected.com. And I also I've interviewed her uh, on my radio show, uh, and I've been in contact with uh, her and Todd, and I've, I've screened the film in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, so I, 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 you know, I don't want to overstate it, but I certainly do have a pretty good sense of of what she's about and what this year has been. And um, I have to tell you, I've never 
experienced something where the media caricature of somebody and the perception created about them is more dramatically different than the reality. Uh, to me, in my experience, she is exactly as you would hope that she would be. She is completely down to earth. Uh, she is very humble, uh, very smart, very funny, um, and and nothing like what the media has painted her to be. And you know, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm an anti-conspiracy guy. But there's no question, as she says in my film, in my interview with her, that there was a seek and destroy mission out on her candidacy, and uh, and it was because of what she represents. And she was a threat to the, name of the mainstream news media, and obviously part of that threat was because she was a threat to the election of Barack Obama, who was their favorite candidate. That's why uh, back last June I purchased uh, HowObamaGotElected.com and, uh, and why I've dedicated my life screening the film across the country, trying to correct the historical record about what really happened in the 2008 election with regard to the media coverage with uh, this documentary film, Media Malpractice. Mr. Ziegler, I think it was about two years ago I saw Yahoo! Who press story about how a beauty pageant queen was the governor of Alaska, and I was like, that's kind of refreshing to me. I, I, I'm, I'm anti-politician. I feel that too many lawyer, too many politicians are lawyers and they're career politicians. I thought it was refreshing when you say it was a seek and destroy mission. Was that tied to the fact that she was kind of a political outsider? She wasn't an attorney. Well, I think it was a perfect storm. Um, you have obviously the fact that she was an unknown. And she had a very intriguing story, and she's attractive, and uh, she's a threat to their guy. She destroyed the entire narrative of the campaign. It was a, you know, being a surprise, I think, actually kind of backfired a little bit, because I think it allowed a lot of people to believe more easily that, you know, she wasn't vetted, or that this was a desperation move, or who the heck is this person? The reality is, she was very well known within political circles, um, and you know, I was somebody who was uh, saying that she should be considered. Uh, I said that publicly numerous times before she was picked. Um, but the, it was so shocking to most people because they weren't prepared for it. Similarly, by the way, I, I think her announcement of her resignation was was poorly um, planned in that it. I don't know if it was not poorly planned, but it was. It did not allow the American people to, uh, to have enough time to fully understand why she was forced to resign as governor of Alaska, and that might have been because she just didn't care about that, or uh, because you know she didn't understand that in in the lower 48, as she puts it, that that narrative had not really been written properly, or maybe she just realized that it was a losing battle. I don't know, but uh, the, the reality is that there were an awful lot of reasons why there was this seek and destroy mission, and her personal profile was clearly part of it. I mean, here's a uh, a woman with five children who's highly successful, who is pro-life, uh, kills her own food, happily married, uh, and uh, looks fantastic doing all this. That's a very threatening persona to a lot of people, especially a lot of uh, liberal women and members of the news media. From my perspective, I have to ask you, not a tough question, but does she have the wits to be a politician on a national stage? Because when she got there, it looked like she kind of collapsed under the pressure of the target of the, um, the seek well, and destroy. Well, let me... <laughs> 
what are you basing the notion that she collapsed under the pressure? I mean, in all seriousness. The, the Katie Couric interview. Well, you know, that's, it's interesting that you say that because I've devoted an awful lot of time to the Katie Couric interview in my interview with Governor Palin and in my film. And uh, I have to tell you that the, the only thing that uh, I have seen that, um, that she did wrong in that interview, uh, at least blatantly wrong, was that when Katie Couric asked her to name one Supreme Court case other than Roe v. Wade that she disagreed with, she didn't come up with one. Interestingly, almost nobody <laughs> raises that as, as a major issue, and it certainly didn't become a big deal in the news media in comparison to other things. Every other element of that interview has either been blown way out of proportion or completely made up or taken completely out of context, and I prove that in the film. Uh, I think she handled herself amazingly well under the circumstances, and as far as having wits about her, you know, I, I urge anyone who, who doesn't believe that to, to get my DVD and watch the entire Sarah Palin interview, which I have as a special feature on the DVD Media Malpractice. It's 45 minutes long. And by the way, for your listeners, they can, uh, if they put in the, the word Palin in the discount code at HowObamaGotElected.com, they get $5 off. It's as low as you're going to possibly get the film. I just want people to see the truth here. When you see this entire interview, you realize, Mike, not only does she have wits, but she has guts uh, as well, because I, this was not an easy interview. I hit her uh, without, even, without any notice, without any warning, with about six different clips of things that she had never seen before. She never once asked to, to stop the tape. She never once asked uh, you know, for, for the ability to edit anything. She, it was all just, uh, it happened as it was. I don't think there's another politician, certainly not Barack Obama, that would have subjected themselves to that, uh, especially when they didn't have to. And she handled it like a champ. I mean, she was funny. She was engaging. She was honest. Uh, so I, I defy anybody who believes that to actually watch the entire Sarah Palin interview. And again, you can find that at HowObamaGotElected.com, uh, where you put in the Palin, Palin in the discount code, you get $5 off. Now, as governor of Alaska, she's an executive, and she got a lot of political um, experience being governor of Alaska. Why do you think she quit? Why do you think she quit that job? Because it would do nothing but help her resume showing more tenure if she wants to run in the future. Well, because Sarah Palin doesn't put her own self-interest above everything else. Uh, that's very difficult for a lot of people to okay. understand. Um, but it was not in the self-interest of the state, and it was not in the self-interest of her family for her to continue on as governor of Alaska. She was not able to do her job because of these uh, loser bloggers living in the basement of their parents' homes hoping to get on Keith Overman's TV show that I referred to earlier. It had become an untenable situation, not just from the fact that it was costing the state a lot of money and her personally a lot of money because of these bogus ethics complaints. She was paralyzed. There had been there was such an agenda against her, and they were using the, this ethics complaint uh, vehicle as a way to simply make it impossible for her to do her job. So if you're not able to do your job in a way that benefits you, your family, or your state, uh, and the only reason why you're staying in the job is so that you can continue the perception uh, that you are governor of Alaska and therefore politically viable in the future, well, you know, most politicians would probably do that and just say, hell with it. I don't care that it's not in the interest of the state or, or maybe even my family. 
but that's not the way Sarah Palin thinks. And Sarah Palin wanted to do what she thought was the right thing, and if it hurt her politically, it hurt her politically. And you know, she was dropping breadcrumbs about that decision for for weeks in advance, including on my radio show, but no one and on the Today Show, but no one decided to pick up on it. Odd question for you, and I'm just speaking to you, Amanda. Man, do you think she had enough clout to handle the vice presidency? Because she quit as governor. What, what would she do as vice president? Because there, it, the attacks would have got a lot worse and a lot mean. Well, well you're not, you're, you don't seem to understand what the situation was in Alaska. As, maybe I don't. As, as vice president, there would not have been the, the same mechanism to try to make her uh, unable to do her job. First of all, what is the job of vice president? It's to <laughs> make sure the president's alive and, uh, you know, go to go to functions and uh, and not make 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 major mistakes um, so it's very very different situation than being governor of a state um, you know I, I would submit to you that the scrutiny that she was under uh, even as governor of Alaska was exponentially greater than what Joe Biden is currently facing as vice president Joe Biden faces no scrutiny as vice president so I think there's are, are situations that are apples and oranges, and I don't think that if you know that all the facts involved here, and I understand, look, I, I get why the perception is the way that it is, okay. and I and I blame uh, partially I blame Governor Pound and her people for not educating uh, the American people enough as to what the reasons were for her uh, resignation. But the, to say that she it was a quitter or she's not tough enough or that this proved that she couldn't have been vice president is, is just flat wrong. Okay. Now, what do you think her future is? If you were a betting man, uh, I'm speaking with John Ziegler. He's the creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected and Palin Was Targeted. What's her future in, in your best estimate? I think at this point what she cares about is doing what she can to influence the the national debate, which she clearly did with the health care debate uh, through her Facebook page, which is really amazing. Uh, and I think that uh, she's going to write her book, uh, which I know she's going to spend an awful lot of time on, and I know it's going to be, uh, I mean, my gosh, I mean, you talk about having great fodder for a book. I mean, this <laughs> this should be a, a fantastic read, regardless of your, your politics. Um, and I think she's trying to get uh, you know her family stabilized and figure out what exactly uh, her options are. I know she's going to be speaking around the country, helping candidates with whom she agrees, uh, raising a lot of money for political action committee so that she can remain uh, politically uh, viable and and to help those candidates. Um, so that's, that's a pretty big uh, agenda right there. I, you know, I have no idea whether or not uh, she's going to run for president ever again. I, I can tell you this. I am very certain that uh, the resignation was not done uh, with an eye towards 2012. Um, now, you know, I, I personally think that if that's really what she wanted to do, that she could be a great threat for the uh, for the nomination in 2012. But I just don't know that that was that's in the cards, and I and I'm pretty certain that was not the intention. Uh, in fact, I know it was not the intention uh, with regard to the resignation, and I, and I know that it's not uh, actively in the works right now. One final question, because I, I got your ear, and do you think the election would have been closer if McCain didn't choose Palin because she became such a lightning rod amongst the Republicans of, is she experienced enough, is she not? And I honestly, I think the, the caricature kind of got to America. There's no doubt about that in my mind that people started getting fearful uh, because of what we saw on Saturday Night Live, and America's getting its news from Saturday Night Live now. 
Oh, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with that, and that's a big part of my film, Media Malpractice. Um, so I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, how much Sarah Palin actually ended up hurting or helping the ticket is a difficult thing to discern. I don't think there's any question that she increased Republican turnout. Uh, however, there's also no question that a lot of independent voters that normally would have been wedded to McCain uh, turned against him. Now, uh, would that have happened anyway in the media environment that we were seeing where the media was clearly campaigning for Barack Obama? I think there's a good chance of that. Um, I don't know that anybody that McCain could have picked could have won it for him or prevented him from losing because of the financial crisis. Now, in retrospect, if he had picked Mitt Romney because the financial crisis ended up becoming, obviously, first and foremost in everyone's mind, uh, my guess is he probably would have lost by a smaller margin than if he had picked uh, Sarah Palin, uh, yes. But I don't think he would have won. So in the end, uh, I'm not sure it really makes much difference. But I have to tell you uh, that it sounds to me like, you know, at least in part, you have bought into a, a myth, uh, which a lot of people uh, of your mindset did. And uh, it's understandable because, you know, you, you think that all this media coverage can't possibly be wrong. And I think it's, it's really uh, it teaches us an important lesson about the nature of the news media. And I think the Sarah Palin example uh, really uh, ought to show us exactly where we are as, as people of a, of a conservative mindset and realize well, that we've got to fight for our warriors and not buy into what the news media tells us because their objective is to destroy our warriors. We do a lousy job of protecting our warriors and punishing our traitors. And those who sold Sarah Palin out without any real reason, I believe, are traitors to the cause. And that's one of the main reasons why I've dedicated my life to this uh, to this issue and why I created the documentary film Media Malpractice, and I hope people check it out at www.howobamagotelected.com. And of course, the film deals with an awful lot of how it is that Obama got elected, as well as okay. how Palin was targeted. Thanks very much, John. And uh, you can punch in the discount code for people. It's the word Palin, the name Palin, P-A. L-I-N. And again, he's the creator of the documentary film Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected and Palin Was Targeted. Website is www.howobamagotelected.com. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talk 910 KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. So some of the financial data that came out today has me a little bit bugged. Consumer spending up last month, but household income is flat. The cash for clunkers, and I'm going to stop saying this because it's a broken record, dude. And I don't want to be broken record, dude. But the cash for clunkers, it just pisses me off that our government encouraged you to go out and borrow money for a new car that depreciates instantaneously. 
the discount that you get on that car, not even close to, well, you're not getting a lot of discounts when you do a cash for clunkers anyway, because they got you where they want you. On top of it, the discount that you get, the depreciation, it's just, it's insane. And then to put people into a thirty dollars to $50,000 vehicle and giving them, you know, 10% off when it's going to depreciate 20 to 40% in the first two years anyway, it's just, it's, our government is so out of whack. It's so out of whack. And they're just the dumbest people. And again, I love attorneys, but try to have a conversation with an attorney about something that's not legal. And it's brutal. It's brutal. They just want to talk about themselves and they want to run on and they want the conversation to be centric to them. That's why I hate politicians because they're all lawyers. And uh, they just bug me. And the, the, the ones that aren't lawyers, I kind of like. I kind of like the doctor politicians. They tend to have a little bit more genuineness uh, to them, per se. Anyway, um, horrible story yesterday that we learned. Girl abducted for 18 years. That's, that's ludicrous. How much do you think your life story is going to sell for? <laughs> it's going to go for a lot of money. That's a big old Lifetime movie waiting to happen. But what a tragedy to lose 18 years of your life. And to be pregnant at age 13. Speaking of tragedies, how about investing in a tragedy? The H1N1 virus. You know what's funny about media is I get memos all the time at my TV station. Don't call it the swine flu. Call it the swine flu. Don't call it the swine flu. Call it the swine flu. Like we're told on a regular basis what we can and can't say. And that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, is the person a suspect or is he a target of a suspect or, you know, um, is he a victim or, you know, they correct our semantics all the time. Anyway, I digress. The H1N1 virus, it could affect 30 to 50% of the U.S. population. A larger percentage of the population will seek vaccination versus periods of seasonal flu. Um, considering no prior immunity to H1N1, it's going to take two shots. So it's going to take two shots to basically build up some immunity. Now, I don't care. The amount of people that die from this, it's, it's not going to be shocking. It's not going to change your world. You may not even know someone that dies from H1N1. Maybe you do. And is it a tragedy that a common cold or something that's kind of like a common cold is going to kill people? Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be some tragedy. But here's what happens. Each dose, if you figure it has an $8 price tag, and you talk about how, many, how much media is paying attention to it and how this is going to just create demand for the flu shot this year because people don't want to die. $1.24 billion new revenue for McKesson, ticker symbol MCK. They've got an exclusive relationship with the CDC. If you apply a 50 basis points margin, they drive roughly one to two cents in potential p- positive impact just from this. Now, the opportunity from antiviral drugs, Tamiflu and Relenza, it could be additional positive of another 100 to 150 million people. And that could need treatment, uh, which would have a positive impact for a company um, basically called Allscripts. Ticker symbol on that one is MDRX. Cardinal Health, ticker symbol CAH. Athena Health is a player here. Cerner is a player here. Ticker symbol C-E-R-N. Eclipsis, E-C-L-P. Quality Systems, Q-S-I-I, Q-S-I-I. And there's one more ticker that I want you to look at is ABC. And uh, again, these are all players that are going to have some sort of impact, whether it's the hospitals that they run or the clinics that they run or the direct benefit from having the exclusive relationship to, to you know, give out the shots. And again, that falls on McKesson, ticker symbol MCK. A lot of people are going to be coming to their clinics for shots, and shots are very, very big profit margins for uh, companies. Anyway, let's take a break. Second hour coming up. Uh, 
Thanks so much for listening. And it is Friday, and hopefully you're going to enjoy the weekend. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Get your calls in the air. They call me hell. They call me Stacy. They call me hell. They call me Jane. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.